Welcome to the Pearls of Wisdom podcast, where we mix business, law of attraction, spirituality, and well-being with great guests and phenomenal stories. You'll hear hints, tips, and up-to-the-minute information on digital communication from an expert in her field. Pearl has some wonderful individuals in her networks, and she will be interviewing them all at some point in the future. Enjoy your listening. now. Hello and welcome to another wonderful episode of the Pearls of Wisdom podcast. And this episode is one of the series of the International Women's Day, inspiring wonderful women that literally the project I've started, started with one post, we're up to almost 90 strong now and we're looking to reach the 500 mark by the end of March. Now today, the wonderful, wonderful lady that I'm interviewing. She's a real queen of marketing. She's really, she's right at the top there. Today, I'm speaking to Samantha Hartley. Welcome, Samantha. Thank you so much, Pearl. I've been so looking forward to this because when I'd seen your LinkedIn profile, it is off the charts. And it's just, I mean, the experience you have, the people you've worked with, the results you've got, and anyone that's listened to a previous episode we recorded with Patty Lawrence, your name is interspersed throughout that interview where you've helped you everything. So it's, I'm so grateful that you've joined us today. Thank you. It's nice to have a, to be preceded by a star client. So uh, <laughs> I, 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 it, she says everything better, I'm sure, than I could say. <laughs> I, I don't know about that, but yes, it's always, it, we see a different side when a client says or a customer says about it, it's from a different perspective. But yes. today, Samantha, I'd like to ask you, could you share your career path? Because it's meteoric. It really is your experience. And it'd be, I'd love for us to share. So anyone, whether it's a young girl, someone halfway through their career, someone towards in, well, maturing in their career and looking to pivot and maybe go into self-employment or something. I'd love, to, I think they'll all resonate with you. So could you please share your story with us, please? Thank you so much, Pearl. I would love to. So um, I'm from Arkansas, which is kind of a small rural state in the United States. Uh, I grew up there and um, I was interested in theater and creative things. Uh, and so I went to college at a place called Sarah Lawrence in New York, and that was quite the culture shift. Um, and I mentioned that because I had a theatrical and cultural, um, in, you know, inspiration at the start. And that's kind of what moved me to New York. And when I got there, I was also really always interested in languages. And so I started studying Russian because they had Russian classes. And it's just a, such a fascinating language and culture. And politically, a lot of things were going on back then. And I thought, oh, I might want to be a diplomat. So I studied that for uh, for four years. And then right after uh, I graduated, I went overseas to Russia and I lived there for seven years. And during that time, my focus changed from um, theater and the arts to more of a business focus, mostly because I ran out of money and I had to take jobs and <laughs> that's what we do. And kind of the job that you get when you don't really know how to do anything else is marketing. I'm sorry to say <laughs> it does help to know something, but that's kind of what everybody put me in charge of. So I did marketing there for a while. And then, um, the, I met the people from the Coca-Cola company and they said, we want you to come and do marketing for us, which was just great. And the kind of thing that never happens unless you're a Russian speaking American 
American in Moscow. So I worked with them in Russia for the company owned bottler for about four years. And during the time I was there, it went from being, you know, a very new market uh, to, you know, it was a $30 million business when I started, which isn't small, but for Coke, it's tiny. Um, and then it tripled during the time I was there to a hundred million uh, when I, I left and the people from Atlanta were kind of doing this world tour and they came and they said, we want you to come to Atlanta. And I thought, again, things that never happen. <laughs> so um, I ended up going to Atlanta headquarters. And when I had been in the field, I had so much um, activity and so many things we were doing. I mean, obviously with this explosive growth, which by the way, spoiled me forever. Every kind of growth <laughs> that I want to see is like tripling uh, revenues. And when you get to a corporate, you're like, well, it, it increased a half a percent or 2%. And I was like, boring, not what I want to be doing. So um, when I was at corporate, I realized that uh at many corporate headquarters, um, they are not interested in your creativity. They do not want your ideas. Um, ideas are actually threatening to people because they say, are you saying we've been doing it wrong all this time? So I quickly realized that corporate was just not going to be the right place for me. And uh, I basically took a year off. I, I quit, which uh, like no one does. And by the way, no <laughs> one supported that decision. Believe me, um, my family thought I was nuts. Uh, so I quit and I took a year off and I just thought about what I wanted to do. And during the time that I was figuring that out, a lot of my colleagues from Coke uh, began to leave and either start their own businesses or go to other places. Uh, and they started to call me and say, would you come and do a consulting project for us? Um, so I always say, don't burn your bridges whenever you leave your corporate position. And a lot of times people are fleeing a toxic environment and, um, and a $300,000 a year salary. So it's very hard to leave and it's very hard to leave on good terms. But I always say if to the extent that you can leave on good terms, because very often your former employer will be your first client. Um, and in my case, it was all of these kind of like former colleagues, so I had a pretty soft landing when I started doing consulting. And then uh, I I worked for different, um, I worked for, you know, ex-Coke people at their startups. And then I worked for different small businesses. And the problem for me was that uh, it wasn't very fulfilling because uh, people wouldn't implement. And I didn't know that that was a thing. I didn't understand why they would call me in and then pay me money to do something. And then when I left and I came back and I was like, well, how'd that work out? They were like, uh, oh yeah, we moved on to something else. And I'd be like, well, was the work not good? Were you unhappy with what we did? And they were like, no, you were great, but we just, uh, you know, we just moved on. And so what I realized was uh, certain companies will visit an idea, but they won't um, complete it and implement. And so they don't get the results. And that taught me a lot about two things. First, the work that I wanted to be doing, which was with people who wanted transformational results. And um, that there is this thing, which is that uh, we need to help people to get results. We need to structure our work so that it works for them. And uh, bearing in mind all of the fallibilities of humans and organizations. Yeah. So it's not that they didn't truly want that result. It's that this, the structure of many organizations are set up that they have to move from priority to priority. So if you come in for a six-week or a three-month thing, they got to move on to the next thing, and they may never have a chance to implement your thing. So uh, that led to the way that I work now, which is I work with clients who are small enough that they want this result. Like This is really important to them. It's not that they're going to collapse without it. It's that they've been at $750,000 a year for a year or two 
and they're like, they want to bust through that barrier or, you know, they're a, a one person business and they're at, they've hit 250 and they just cannot get past that. And they don't know why. So when I come in and work with someone like that, and I work with them for a year. So one of the things that I say is that transformation, because it involves humans and people and organizations really trans real transformation takes about a year. Now you might be able to get it in that first day. You might be able to get just like major epiphanies and things like that, but they don't stick. Unless, you know, because like then we kind of fall back into our own habits. So to really um, ensure that that change happens, I work with my clients for about a year. Uh, and that's, you know, that I'm leaving about a lot, a lot of stuff in the messy middle out of there. But that really is the evolution of the kind of work that I that I did. Um, and, you know, for many years, I specialized in brand marketing because I came out of the Coca-Cola company and that made this yeah. sense. Uh, but then I realized that uh, what people need is a lot more kind of practical and tactical things. Not that brand isn't important. I'm always doing brand, but I'm really talking to them about, you know, daily habits that they can take to grow their business and um, practices and also mindset. You know, you have to really cultivate a mindset to be able to do this every single day day as a self-employed person. So, yeah. uh, so that's kind of the journey. Oh, but this is absolutely fantastic. And there's so many, um, synchronicities. You've heard me mention the S word. And yes. This yes. is where, I mean, yes, I'm communication, communications consultancy, but it sometimes comes and marketing sort of overlaps and they call it Marcoms and everything. Yep. And I can relate to everything you've said the times in our public sector, like for um, hospitals and things like that, I've been called in at the end of a financial year because they've got budget to to use up or they won't yeah, yeah. get a larger one come the new financial year. But all they want me to do is almost a scoping piece. They come in and they'll almost say, well, you audit the current landscape and advise. But then it never gets taken any further. You can say, yes, you can save money there, but you need to spend a bit more there. You write the white paper, you give it to be either the communications director, the IT technology director. And they say, oh, that's a good idea. And I, I have a sneaky suspicion that they put it as their idea once they once I leave the contract and move on. The likelihood of that, yes. <laughs> and it is, but it's, it's explaining that to people. And where you've said, like with brand, quite often... Just recently, when I've worked with our central government here in the UK, they've said they've called me in to do an HR piece where they're looking as a massive um, engagement um, recruitment drive, and they suddenly realise their brand is toxic and they need to change, and you need to work internally with current employees so that they become the ambassadors from the internal position and then seeing almost choosing a top profile that is then going to thought leadership and everything and lead to actually bring the external candidates to come in and like you say yes it's definitely a year-long process some will get it straight away but that might be right at the very top and then you have to filter it through to the different teams and the level of understanding so yes I can completely completely agree with everything you've said and it just made so much sense what you said I was thinking ping 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 yes I know exactly done it done it <laughs> totally and in, in the case you're talking about I mean that actually I would say probably a year is a minimum for it you know so one of the the promise that I make to my clients is that I help consultants 
you know, multiply their revenues. It's, it's at least double without exhaustion. Cause a lot of them know how to like, if I worked five times harder and, you know, till I fell over, then I, I could make more, but how, how do we do it without that? And so one of the ways that you can increase your revenues is if you normally did a thing that was eight weeks long and you did it as a year long thing, then you get better results. You end up being paid more money. The client gets better results. Uh, they, it, this is like the return on that investment is, although the investment is higher, the return is more significant. And one of the things I, I taught, I have another client who works in um, human resources and she does, you know, just major changes in the way that people work in organizations. And so I taught her originally to say, well, this is basically like a three year long initiative, but what we'll do in the first year is this. So already the client is not thinking eight weeks or six months. They're like, oh, okay, it's three years. And again, we're not just trying to get more money out of them or stay in there, you know, occupy them as long as we possibly can. It's like, realistically speaking, this is how long it it takes to change human behavior and organizational kind of like, you know, stuck hierarchy. Yeah, definitely. It's almost, it's almost saying it like if you think of an oil tanker or a juggernaut or something these things these companies yep. are massive they take an awful long time to start to turn you start on the transformation and then it starts to pick up but it's actually it's those peaks and troughs as well and yeah. definitely the learnt behavior telling people what's coming so they're ready for it all that communications bit then actually marketing putting it in showing people that they will have the peaks and troughs and be aware of it yeah. and it's it's massive is massive but yeah. i love that i love that that expectation piece like you said to actually let people see because quite often they, they don't have any idea of the scope and the amount involved they how see, could they know exactly. if they were good at it they wouldn't need you and to me this is real leadership uh i think um you know, a lot of times I know consultants come in and they want to kind of keep, uh, when they're doing the consultation process, they kind of want to keep expectations small. And, uh, you know, this is especially a thing that I work with women on is I call it the small habit. It's like, how small can I make myself so that I get this project or so that I get this client? And it's like, this client is kind of small-minded and they're like, well, that's too expensive. Could you make it smaller? And so they end up working with um, projects that are too small. They could be making a bigger impact and the budgets that are too small and they could be, um, yeah. you know, really, uh, you know, earning uh, many times, you know, 10 times more than what they are right now. Uh, so I think uh, taking the lead, you know, this is leadership opportunities. When you are truthful with a client about like, it's going to take a while. <laughs> uh, I interviewed my client who I, uh, I just mentioned, I, and she said, you know, I tell them it's expensive and it's going to take a long time. <laughs> so, you know, just be honest at the beginning of it, but that's a leadership position. They have no idea how long it's going to take. And to me, this is the opportunity that I think, um, uh, you know, women can really do this well, like they can um, take a leadership position. They can be honest. They can tell the truth to someone's face. Uh, and I think when we do that, people take us seriously. You know, it's like, thank you for saying a hard thing to my face. Now that we are, now that we are telling the truth to each other, now we can, you know, get into some good and serious work. I completely agree. And quite often I've seen if the market changes, like we've got COVID and lockdown and things, it always used to be that marketing was the area that people suddenly stopped spending on because they see they didn't need it. Yet really, yeah. that's when they need it the most because they need to stand out above and beyond their competitors. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's almost explaining that. I worked with Jaguar Land Rover when they um, brought out the Evoque, when they first brought the first prototype out and all of the sales 
were done through social media. And before that car could even start on the production line, every vehicle had to be sold. And it was all done because the event was a completely different dynamic for the normal audience. We had to work with different thought leaders and work in so many different ways. But that was so exciting. But to realise that that's it, that you need the marketing first. You need that massive push to get the audience to get the return on investment. Uh, but sometimes that can be a hard sell. Do you agree? I mean, you know how yes. to do this. But it can, it <laughs> yeah. can be a hard sell. Yeah, I think uh, it it starts with working with the kinds of clients who already acknowledge that kind of thing. So they're, um, you know, they're future thinking. They are they prioritize uh, proactive kind of actions. Um, and you know, my clients, those large companies are the clients of my clients. I work with, uh, you know, small consultants. There's like one, two, or three partners in the firm usually. Uh, there may be 10 staff, but there may be just one single person and her virtual team. So uh, what what I'm encouraging them to do is exactly what you just said, which is the marketing. So a lot of the activities that a small business needs to take are mirroring those large businesses. It's very easy to say, oh my gosh, COVID, everybody you know, stop everything. Let's reduce, reduce, reduce expenses. Um, and people who... Uh, dramatically increased their profile during COVID, we saw that, you know, they're the ones who got dramatic results. Exactly. Exactly. And is I mean, the way I've got my clients, I've been very lucky, but it's almost been through a recruitment push that like the likes of our central government, they will put a rollout. I have to go via a recruitment agency that then say, right, this is the consultant mm. to go in and do that. And so, but then it's a completely different discussion. And this is where it really hit me. When we came into COVID, all the contracts, the, the high pay, nice day rate ones disappeared because they were mm. all shut down. So I thought, right, pivot, reinvent yourself. And then I thought, right, I'm going to approach like the smaller businesses, the individuals, but I had the wrong hat on to begin with. I went in with my nice high day rate. This is me. I'm a corporate person. I've led top of my tree in corporate, but that means nothing to someone if they're at a different level. And I really had to tone my my whole discussion down, the whole voice. In fact, I did a few months where I did everything for free, which was mm -hmm. not a good thing at all. But I was thinking I needed the testimonials that, yes, yeah. I'd say, oh, yes, I've done the large companies. But that didn't, I needed people that were that small business that could say, yes, Pearl can do that. She's got that knowledge and it's learning what do you give away just as a promotion? What do you hold on tight? Because that's what people pay for, because that's the gold. <laughs> Well, it's a good question. I literally just yesterday recorded my podcast, uh, uh, upcoming podcast episode about that. It'll come out in about three weeks. And I did it on a free sampling strategy, which is specifically about giving things away. And I think the key question with it is, um, it's yes, we can give things away in our business and we should, and you have to do it strategically. So what can I give away that will create a desire for more? services. It's got to be something that's, uh, that gets them a small result, uh, creates a positive um, 
feeling for them so that they take that next step. It's really like, and I didn't say this on the podcast, but it's kind of the appetizer concept. You know, you want an appetizer to be kind of like, um, take away the huge amount of hunger so that you're not like starving and it's kind of yummy, but it doesn't fill you up. And I think American restaurants don't really do it this way correctly because they create these gigantic appetizers. And by the time you're done eating it, you end up having to take the dinner that you've ordered home. So you can have a, a free thing that is too much, you know, too heavy. It like solves too many problems, or it makes people think that it solved all their problems. And so that's probably not what you want. So having a single small result from whatever is your free thing that you give away, that makes people say, oh, if, if Pearl can do that for free, what happens when I actually invest in her services? Yeah. Yep. Completely agree. And then the other thing that people say is, they come back and they're saying, when I do mention the figures, they say, oh, I'm not sure I can afford that. Mm-hmm. And I use, and then people are saying, oh, I'm getting this all the time. And I've started saying, well, actually, it's not you. It's the people you're bringing into your tribe. They're the wrong people. You need to up your game or change. Like we were talking yesterday on the live panel. It's that manifested. That's where I bring in law of attraction. You put out that intention and you bring the right vibrational people into you. When you first start, if you're saying all that and the vibration's wrong, you're going to bring the wrong people in. I don't yes. know if, if you felt that as well. Oh, I think the, the one of the most common things I see is someone will say, you know, everybody's, you know, they buy, but then they refund. Or I have um, clients who um, they they signed up for a year, but then they quit after two months. Or I have uh, this thing happen. And I say, well, do you ask for refunds? And do you quit things that you started after two months? Like that doesn't happen to me. And here's why, because I don't do those things. And, you know, other people don't do those things. So you really, this is kind of the, to me, the marketing karma of, do people ask you for discounts all the time? They never ask me for discounts. You know why? Because I don't ask for discounts. It's not that I'm not going to negotiate with a car dealer, but when I'm working with the service provider, I don't think, well, could you do it for less? Or could I get 10 sessions for, you know, 20? No. So you really get what you put out there. And um, I think if people are finding, you know, I used to get, <laughs> I used to get all these cranky responses through email and I thought, am I writing a lot of poison pen emails? Uh, and I just never do anymore. And I thought, what happened? Did people stop doing that? I don't think people stopped doing that. I think I stopped inviting that kind of thing into my life. So to me, if you, you have to really look at yourself now to the point you were making about like, do I want to bring more stuff in? One of my most successful clients said she'd been doing a lot of small, I talked about the small habits. She'd been doing a lot of small things. And she was like, no, 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 I'm ready for that big stuff. I'm ready for big billion dollar clients and these major, like, you know, multi hundred thousand dollar engagements to come in. And I was like, good, let's do it. Um, And so a couple of weeks went by and a couple more weeks went by and I was like, what's going on? And she said, I realized I was a vibrational match for wanting those clients, but not having those clients. So that's what she said. I'm working on that right now. Being in, in a line with, I have these clients, not, I want them, but I have these clients. And, you know, five minutes later, she had like five of them. So that's the power of like, you get what you expect. Yeah. Yeah. And almost taking that back to the international women's day, I'd say for young girls, as if they're looking to start their career, it's almost putting out there. I have the best college place. I have the best university place. 
I have got the best role that is going to start my career to a flying start, something like that. And he's almost getting used to saying that, writing it as an affirmation, knowing that it's in your head. That's what you're saying and what you're telling people. Like I started this by saying, I've put the intention out that I'm going to get 500 women into this group. And I'm saying it over and over and over again so that everyone that's hearing it will hear there will be 500 women in this group. In fact, I'd be interested to see just how quickly that comes because I think it will be before the end of the month. I completely agree. It's just it's getting into that mindset. Yeah. If I'd understood that whole idea of what you call in is actually knowing what to call in, if yeah. I'd done that earlier in my career... I'd probably be retired. No, I wouldn't be retired because I love what I'm doing. But it's, it, <laughs> right. it's all, it makes you think, where would you be if you'd understood it so many years? And if we can get that message mm-hmm. to young girls, young women at the start of their career, they it's going to give them such a launch pad to move forward. Yes. Yes. I, you know, things that I wish I had known and done earlier, uh, um, I am supported, I would affirm. You are supported. You are supported whether you see it or not. Whether If you look around and there's no one who's supporting you and no one is helpful, if you affirm, I am supported, look for the, the support that you need. Uh, to me, the, the most important feeling when you're uh, you know, going to college, growing your career, all of those things is to feel like you have a support system around you. We know that people who succeed in society are, by traditional terms, are those with support systems. And we know that people who kind of collapse and fall out into, you know, addiction and homelessness and all these things are people who don't have support systems. And so build your support system early and it doesn't have to be from your family. It can be, uh, it, it should be beyond your family. It should be, you know, looking out around it, who is there for you. And it may not be the same people throughout your life. It may be like an evolving cast of characters, but look for people who will support you. Look for people who you can support because it's really kind of this interwoven, you know, weave thing where you're supporting others and they're supporting you. Um, and it's kind of amazing. If you expect that there's going to be support for you in the world, it's amazing who will show up for you. And if you think, you know, I can be of help to someone else. I don't, you know, I, I can't do much, but I can do something. And you look around, you'll find the people who want to receive that from you. It took me a while to figure out what was the way that I could support others because, um, you know, I'm not someone that people call in an emergency. That's not when I'm at my best. But um, if people are like, I, I need to think about how, you know, I'm applying for this thing or I need to get some ideas about this. Can you help me with that? Yes. So that was kind of my area of support. And I think that's a good thing that you'll learn about yourself as you go. You'll realize, oh, I'm not the one to call when, <laughs> when the house is on fire, but I am the person to call when you want to apply to college or something. Yeah, definitely. And in fact, something I've put to some of the other guests, I'm thinking, Like you say, these young ladies at the first rung of the ladder, I'm saying to them, reach out to all these phenomenal women that have come together and maybe see if they're free just to share a virtual mentorship or something. I mean, I know I mentor a few young ladies that are sort of late teens going into their 20s. And that that's something I just do. We do it might be every two weeks where we have an hour aside. I say, what do you want us to cover? And I do a Zoom call, we record it and they go and put it in place. And there's this one young lady, she's 19 years old. She's set up her own company. She does resin jewellery and she's already, I think she's been going for about four or five months now and she's already in profit. Now, how many people can say that, 
in that that they can look back and say they're already making profit she's made her own website she does her own marketing she does so much stuff on instagram and tiktok because she understands the dynamic and the demographic of that audience she's got really high quality um business cards everything all the packaging is recycled she's got a fantastic story her carbon footprint is low and she's 19 years old. Where's she going to be in, say, five years' time or more? Anywhere she wants to be. Exactly. And if you've got that, and if you, if I could mentor, I, mean, I just literally went through, how do you approach? We've looked at LinkedIn. I've looked at things like search engine optimization, But I've also looked at things like the user journey, where people, so many people, when they say they're going to do something, they go from what they want. They don't understand the audience and the way the audience will navigate through something and trying to explain to people, yes, the user experience is completely different to what you think your demographic audience is and to understand that. And if you get that early, the potential is brilliant. Mm -hmm. For sure. It sounds like she's uh, intuitively, she has, she's about, you know, 85% of the way there. Yeah, exactly. But she does have a very special mum who was on the panel yesterday Uh (laughs) as well. Even better. (laughs) But it's actually knowing to do that. But if you can reach out to a thought leader or someone that you really are inspired by, it can't hurt to ask the question, have you got time to mentor me? Because I know when people approach me, I am flattered and I'd love to share that because it's all about nurturing that next generation so that they can actually bring their key skills. And if Yes, I suppose I've always been confident. Sometimes I really have to push myself out the box and I, I, my tummy will be in knots and everything. But when I've done it, that sense of achievement and how you grow from it. But if we can help young girls to do that, I think if anyone listened to each and every one of the messages that we're sharing on these episodes, that they can't help but be inspired by what people have achieved. Thanks, so. I mean, for you, if you were to look back at, say, your very first start of your career, are there any messages or any advice you wish you were given that you maybe know now? (laughs) Um, You know, I did so many small things along the way. I did so many internships and had, you know, I wasn't uh, one of the high school kids who had, uh, you know, side jobs and things like that. I was doing um, internships that were related to uh, my work at the time, which was theater. Uh, and then once I was in college, I did have little side jobs. And I think, um, one of the things that really, that really, um, was pivotal for me throughout as a little, um, kind of theme was being in situations where people were lying and asking me to lie for them. Uh, so whether it was the Hollywood, um, what was he? No, he was the Broadway, uh, press agent who, uh, would tell me to tell people on the phone, he wasn't there even though we could hear him yelling in the background, uh, that didn't feel good. And then, um, you know, further on in way up in higher positions in my career, I would be in situations where people would expect me to lie. Uh, and I just was not down for that. And so I, uh, I, I, I feel like it, I would have appreciated having that reinforced of like, you definitely don't need to put up with that. And, you know, there's, you turn down the wrong job and the right job is right there behind it. Um, there's this wonderful Russian expression, which is uh, never chase after a bus or a man. There will always be another one. And I would say the same thing about clients. You know, if you turn down a terrible client, 
then uh, very often there'll be three perfect ones right behind them. But the actual, you know, the work and the willpower is in turning down something that seems like a sure thing right in your hand. Uh, and I would say leaving those really toxic jobs was very difficult at the time because it didn't seem like, you know, it seemed like I was letting other people down, not the lying people, but the other people down. It seemed like, you know, I, I you, do you leave jobs? That doesn't seem like a thing you do. You know, all of those kind of crazy situations. Um, but integrity was important to me. And what's been really amazing in being able to be self-employed is, um, you know, that's, it's the center of my work to the extent that if I'm teaching someone to do something and I'm not doing it myself in my own business and it's a fit for me and I should be doing it, then I have to like, I immediately have to align those things and be like, I should be doing more X as well. So that kind of alignment of thought word deed is really important to me. And it was from the very beginning. Yep. Definitely. Definitely. Completely, completely agree with that. Because I think so often when you're saying you put something out there, you were saying, like we said about intentions, all the time you get the bad clients, sometimes almost check the way we've been thinking because in a way we might have attracted them. And it's, it's like you said, we can get to the really high power jobs and it takes so much to say, yes, we need to step away. But mm -hmm. I was finding I was getting four hours sleep a night. I literally, all I was doing was going, literally get up early, catch the train, go into the centre of London, work until about seven, eight o'clock, then come back. I get home about 10. But in my, at the time, because I was well paid, I thought I have to give my client all my time. I want them to see they're getting the best value. Yeah. And then suddenly your body starts to say no. I started having a cough that lasted for ages and wouldn't go. And then it went to a chest infection and I had to have steroids and all these horrid things. And it's almost listen to your body because these are the little things that suddenly come. That First of all, it's a little nudge. And then that's the universe saying you're doing too much. You have to stop. Mm -hmm. And if you don't listen, literally they put a wall up and they make you stop. And I think that's what made me also start to think I need to pivot. And it's, yes, the corporate roles are wonderful. And yes, your ego loves the corporate roles because it's a nice title. But you can earn just as much from three or four clients working for yourself and actually be appreciated than having that grind of always being with the corporate. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I teach people all the time how to replace their corporate salary. You can do it with one client if you do it right. Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, uh, I think the thing that you're talking about and that I'm talking about are um, intuition and listening to your body and you're getting information all the time from your body about whether what things are right for you and what things are wrong for you. And whether that is like, I shouldn't be having to work for someone and uh, have to lie in this position. I shouldn't have to uh, this this commute and this work. Uh, schedule is ridiculous. Um, you know, I think those are things that if you're feeling that way, you know, you could be 12 years old and feel that way. And you're right. You know, you're right. The, the body is never wrong when it's sending you these signals. So I, to me, learning as early as possible, how to listen to that 
uh, and honor that intuition. It did take me a while to hone that, um, to realize when I was working with someone of like, oh, I think I've, I don't think I should be working with this person anymore. That's a shame. I was really hoping that this was going to be a good situation, but I think it's not any good anymore. And oh, now I have to figure out how to get out of it. If, you know, if one of the things I teach my clients is how to recognize someone who's not going to be a fit for you as early as possible. So I think we know, you know, Malcolm Gladwell wrote the book Blink about like in the blink of an eye, you know, whether someone is your nightmare come to life or a client that you're going to be able to work with really well. And um, so I'm teaching my clients how to recognize those signals as, as early as possible, ideally in that first meeting, meeting. And if it can be before that, even in the form that they fill out on your website to work with you, like how soon can I recognize not a fit and a fit, you know, those two polar opposites. Uh, and, you know, there's always going to be people who are somewhere in the middle and can, what can you do to either recognize they're somewhere in the middle now, but they're going to veer towards one or the other. Uh, or what can you do as a leader to lead that client and to make them, uh, you know, help them to be a perfect client for you? Yeah, definitely. And it's almost, it's the difference between intuition and hindsight. And it's, it's almost you get to the stage where you don't realise, you don't realise how good intuition is. Like you can go into that situation, like you said, it could be within the first five minutes and you might get that sinking feeling in the pit of your stomach. You might feel sick. You might feel almost like the hairs on the back of your neck are starting to stand up and you're not sure why. Start to recognise those because they are, they're, they're the alarm signals. And like you said, if, it, if it's a young girl, say 12, 13, and you start to feel that, make sure you speak to a responsible adult and see, because that could be, start to learn those those danger signals. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can remember, I mean, this this is just coming in, so this is intuitively said, so bear with me. I can remember as a young girl, it's when Walkman were first out and I used to put headphones on and I'd listen to my music really loud and twice I got attacked from behind because I didn't hear and I should have learned the first time because you don't realise but it's to be aware. Yeah. How how many young people, be it male or female, live with these mobile phones and will constantly be speaking. They're not concentrating on what's around them. Yeah. They're not they're here. Yeah. They're not aware. Yeah, they're not in here. Yeah. Yep. And it's it's knowing those things and to be aware. I mean, my daughter's 26 now, but when she was coming back from college and university, she'd come home at 12 o'clock at night and it would be really dark. And I'd say to her, you cannot do that. You have to tell me when the train comes in so I can meet you. Because as a parent, you just get paranoid. But children don't see the danger. Yes. Unfortunately, that's the thing that we have to learn. You know, Pearl, I have also a different take on um, uh, or a take from another direction about why women tune out these signals, because um, I don't know if you've done a lot of these exercises before where you kind of you're in a circle and you kind of everybody sit down and close your eyes and kind of come into your body and, you know, just really feel like, you know, your toes and your here's the two things that I always recognize is like my back is hurting or something's hurting and I have to pee. So to me, every time a woman comes to awareness, I'm not going to say every woman because it's always me, but every time I come to awareness, I'm like, "Ah, I've had to pee for like 30 minutes. And having worked in corporate, what I can tell you is if you're in a meeting, if it's a man, a man will go like, okay, uh, uh, sorry, I'm just going to run to the men's room for a minute. 
And we'll all sit around and wait for him while he goes and does that. And then women, it's like a woman would never do something like that. So uh, in my experience, when we go into our bodies, it's not always a, a you know, a, a, we're not always greeted joyfully. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's like my back has been hurting for a while. This, um, this, these leggings are cutting into my waist, my feet hurt from these shoes, et, et cetera, whatever. So I do think as women, we are constantly battling that kind of thing. Yeah. And in addition to that, we do need to have some sensitivity to what other information our body is telling us. It's like, oh, oh, and I'm nervous. Oh, and I don't feel bad. I'm, I feel bad about that thing that happened two hours ago and whatever. It's, I think it's really important as, and I've spent a lot of time learning to do this. I think it's really important to be like, it's okay. That information is, you can tell me body, you can say, I'm really tired of wearing this bra or um, you know, my earrings are hurting me or um, my hair was up in a bun and, and, and that was hurting or, or, or whatever. Like that information is valid information because if we can allow that information to flow, you're going to be amazed at the intuitive stuff that will come out of you. You'll get ideas for like a whole line of business. You'll get um, ideas for, you know, who I want to connect with that person there. You'll have a feeling and just be drawn to someone or a book that you need to read. There's just, when you uh, get into your body and actually befriend it, which I think is a thing that I never did as a young girl. Uh, A lot of girls are at war with their bodies. Um, But if you can befriend your body and be like, I'm going to have this thing my whole life. So I just I want to have a good relationship with it and accept it as it is today, right now. And you can do whatever you want with it later. You know, I can, I can do some working out or I can rest or I can eat. I can do anything I want to, but befriending our bodies and listening to what they're telling us, because I think about 90% of our, uh, of the, um, useful beneficial thoughts, um, and directive thoughts are coming from the body. And if we're cutting it off right here at the neck, because we're, you know, sitting around at a desk all day long, then then we lose access to that wisdom. Yep, definitely. And that that is a real nugget I'd say to anyone. And I also say to the listeners, if you're listening to this and we're sharing messages that you feel there's there's a younger person in your family or friends, please share these podcasts with them because quite often you find there's a certain demographic that will listen, but what we're sharing could be for other members of their family. So it's going to be those golden nuggets, those little pieces of wisdom that people will will take away. And the sooner they learn that, like we've said, they will fly and it will keep them safe at the same time. Now, I'm going to go back to International Women's Day because I keep doing this. Now, there's a theme. There's a theme for International Women's Day every year. This year, it's Choose to Challenge. Now, what does that mean to you, Samantha? What what stands out for you for choose? I mean, I mean, I love the word choose. Yeah. I think it's I I think it's a, such an empowering word. It's you know, there's no force. It's not a, it's not an invocation. It's it's really an offering. Um, do you want to choose? And so I that's the first thing that really strikes me is the way they phrased it. Uh, and choose to challenge. I mean, where to begin? <laughs> Where to begin? I gosh, we saw a program recently, and it said that things haven't changed for what? Oh, oh, it might be. I don't know if it was Downton Abbey or it was something that they talked about. How it was said in the in in the early part of the 20th century, and they said things haven't changed this much for women since Eve. Yeah. And I just thought that was amazing. We haven't seen a lot of change since Eve, uh, and we've seen a lot of it in the last 
you know, 50 years and kind of most of it in the last 25, like things are not, you know, they're slow, slowly changing. Uh, You know, the thing I choose to challenge is that um, uh, there's a glass ceiling and you're going to hit an income limit that women are paid less than men consistently. It's where we're at 65 cents now, or maybe it's higher Um, that, uh, that you have to accept that because I, this is why I uh, it's one of the many reasons I chose self-employment is like, I don't care if uh, I don't want to let anybody else make that decision for me. Um, And when you're self-employed, you get to decide, well, if I'm not going to be able to make much more money than that, then I'm certainly not going to work that hard. Uh, I'm not going to work full time and I'm going to just enjoy a life and I'm going to be able to live on this amount. Or you can choose, uh, I'm going to, um, I'm going to go back to that employer and I'm going to work for them for this much. And then I'm going to have these other three clients and I'm going to run my life this way. Uh, Or you're going to build a a huge enterprise or you're going to build a miniature enterprise. That's going to be 5 million or uh, or 500,000. You, you have so many choices in self-employment. And so the, I remember there was a really bad uh, economy year. um, And I thought I'm going to make my own economy this year. You know what? I don't have to buy into there's a bad economy everywhere. I can make my own economy. And I think that happened for me and for a lot of my clients during the pandemic. Uh, Like many people at the beginning of it, I thought, oh my gosh, this could be really horrible. Um, And then I thought, well, what can we do so that it isn't? And my clients across the board, nobody had zero months. There was no one who, there was a couple of people who lost a client, but then got two more after them, as I've talked about. And then there was one of my clients who she has corporate clients. So they cut back a little bit, but nobody canceled. And because we sell year long engagements, nobody was looking at, uh, oh my gosh, I have nothing and I need to get something. Everybody was looking at, I have this as a foundation and now I can build something onto that. So uh, the, I choose to challenge that we rely on anybody else to determine how, how much money we make. I think you can rely on yourself for that. Uh, I choose to challenge the idea of a glass ceiling that has to affect you. It's important to me to, um, in, to work in the grassroots and in politics and who I contribute my money to that we are uh, taking legal action and other actions to make sure that women get paid equally here in my country and around the world. That is super important to me. And that's a thing where I'm going to invest my time and my energy. And for me and my clients, what I'm helping us to do is to make sure that you get to earn what you choose to earn. You get to work uh, as much as you want or as little as you want to work in exchange for that. Oh, absolutely love that and i really and if you're doing if you're doing anything that i can help you with about actually hitting changing that glass ceiling just shout because i i want to be involved in that because yes we we've i think we've both lived it and you see no it's we've got to change that and we've got to change it now so that the younger generations will come through and never have to go through that at all so that yes yeah that would be nice wouldn't it it would. It would. I'm going to draw this interview to a close. What I'm going to do is just ask, can you tell us about some of the key things that you offer so people listening to this, how you can help them? And obviously, I will be um, sharing all your details in the description. I'll put all the links. But anyone listening to this when it first goes up, the details might not be there. I'm concentrating on getting the um, podcast up there and then I'll be adding the details afterwards. So do come back and check. But Samantha, can you let us know just how you can help people, how they can reach out to you, please? 
Sure. So I work with consultants, uh, business coaches. So people who are working business to business, meaning that they uh, they sell to um, a, a business, whatever size it is, and not to individuals. So um, if you're a health coach working one-on-one with um, a mom, uh, that's different than a health coach working with a company with their employees. So I'm working business to business. Um, my clients are usually in human resources, uh, virtual CFO, virtual CTO, kind of those kind of jobs um, with corporations or small businesses. Uh, and I mentioned that I help them to multiply their their revenues without exhaustion. And the I, I work one-on-one with my clients to do that. I also have a group program where we work on those uh, objectives. And then really all of my curriculum is in a podcast that I do called Profitable Joyful Consulting. So the when when people say, you know, it's a, well, it's a free podcast, what, what's in there? And I'm like, it's the curriculum for my programs. So I, as much information as you can put, I try to do a miniature podcast to match my attention span. So I do like a 20 minute, 12 to 20 minute podcast Rarely, I will do interviews with remarkable people. Um, and it's basically what you need to know to build a profitable and joyful consulting business. So to me, having something that is free to help people is really important. And if someone has listened to that and thinks, oh my gosh, I want more, then then they can definitely get in touch with me. Oh, this is absolutely wonderful. I'm going to leave with just one question. You have been such a fantastic guest if your schedule allows, will you come back and be a guest again, please? Absolutely. It was great to talk with you, Pearl, and I love your mission. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. It has been a pleasure speaking to you, Samantha. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the Pearls of Wisdom podcast. We hope you have enjoyed the content shared. Please share with others who would like to enjoy these interviews and discussions. If you would like to support the podcast, please follow the link in the episode description. If you want to be a guest on the show, reach out and let's discuss next steps. Until the next time, enjoy your listening.